Hi, Juliet here with a quick message before this episode starts. Everything you need to be more strategic amid the busyness of the school term is contained in the 170 plus episodes of this podcast. But sometimes you can get there a bit faster with some personalised help. I host a termly online workshop specifically designed to help the support staff within schools to make the shift from being reactive to strategic. Our next workshop is coming up soon and we're going to be reflecting on how things have gone this academic year and strategising for the academic year to come so that you can confidently prioritise your workload, overcome the obstacles that are holding you back and redirect your time and focus onto your priorities. At the end of the session, I promise you're going to be feeling more energised, ready to hit the ground running with a clear plan of action. This term's workshop is going to be run on Thursday the 16th of May, and you can find out more and book your place at www.consultjuliet.co.uk slash plan. I hope to see you there. Now, let's launch into this episode. Welcome to the Independent School Podcast with me, Juliette Corbett. As an executive coach and strategy advisor, I guide senior leaders in the world of education to help them find their strategic focus, empower their teams and regain control over their time, helping them go from exhausted to strategic. On this podcast, I share the ideas and the tips that I've developed over the years to help the senior leaders that I work with one-to-one so I can help you to focus on your priorities and achieve your goals with confidence and ease. And this week, I'm going to be diving into my solution to overwhelm. One of the things that people respond back to me when they listen to my podcast and they get in touch is they say they really love that phrase from exhausted to strategic, but they also feel a bit lost about how on earth they're supposed to achieve that. And of course, everything I talk about works towards that end goal of being more strategic, understanding your priorities, using the four building blocks of strategy to get there. But often that feeling of confidence and ease that I talk about just eludes them. Now, I'm going to be talking in this episode and also next week's episode about overwhelm. Now, this isn't really always a comfortable topic. And It's actually quite rare for when a senior leader contacts me, at least to begin with, for them to even use the word overwhelm. But it has been used with me. People have said it. And normally when I've got to know people a bit better, because I'm working with them kind of one to one or in a small group, then this word does get used. It does come up. And what I've realised, in actual fact, I had an email from somebody, it's a couple of months ago now, really some months ago, but saying thank you so much. She was just feeling completely overwhelmed in that moment. And the podcast had just given her a little window of clarity into something that she'd been really struggling with. So it does happen. And it is normal to occasionally feel a bit overwhelmed. Now, I sort of hesitated to put out there my solution because it feels a little bit like my solution is designed to help you. And although obviously I'm putting this out into the world because I'm hoping it's going to help you. I am absolutely not going to assume that what works for me will work for you. We're all humans, so we have some things in common, but the way that we feel overwhelm and the way that we solve overwhelm, at least for the most part, you know, I think it's inevitable it occasionally comes back to us sometimes, is going to be unique and different for every single person. 
So in this episode, I do not want you to listen to this as a step-by-step instruction for what you should go away and try. Instead, what I'm going to do is I'm going to share a bit of vulnerability for the way that I sometimes experience overwhelm and the three things that I do, and I have to do them in order, which enables me to really feel settled and to make progress. And it feels like it is my solution, at least for me. Okay, what I'm going to also say is that as you listen to this episode, it may sound overly simplistic and you may think, well, that's fine for Juliet, but that isn't going to work for me. That's fine. That's a normal response to this kind of episode. All I will invite you to do is just sit with this for this week and occasionally maybe you'll feel the kind of impulse to give it a go. Listen to next week's episode as well. I'm going to be diving in a little bit into the difference between overwhelm and overload next week. And if what I'm talking about this week doesn't work, it may actually be that you're not overwhelmed, you're overloaded instead. Okay, so let's think first of all, I don't really have a definition for overwhelm, but this is the way that I think about it. I think about it as being, I've got way too much in my head. I've got these buzzing bees that I can almost feel buzzing around my head. They will not settle. And they are normally worry that I've got so much to do. Every bee is a different job I've got to do in my work life, in my home life. Everything's just way too much to do. And the key worry, at least for me, is that I'm not going to get it all done in time. And therefore, that all these sort of awful things are going to happen, you know, in terms of catastrophizing what might happen next. If I don't get this done, then this is going to happen. So for me, it's that feeling of having too much in my head, having too many things to do, and the worry that I'm not going to get through it all. That's what the way that I define, I feel overwhelmed. And what I've discovered, and I actually discovered this in the middle of the first lockdown, which I have to admit I found very difficult with two really quite young children at the time. And what I discovered was that the the trick to this is to do one thing at a time. Now, that's actually a podcast which came out much more recently um, by Michael Neal, who you may have come across, um, in his podcast called Caffeine for the Soul. And he talks about really being clear with yourself the only thing I need to do is, and then dot, dot, dot. You can make a post-it note for the one thing. The only thing I need to do today is, and then fill in the blanks. I'm going to put a link to that episode because he articulates this so beautifully. And if you haven't listened to that podcast, I really highly recommend it. At least for me, it's a real source of inspiration. It really settles, settles some of those feelings of overwhelm when they do come back. But my three steps are based on this idea of doing one thing at a time. And I've talked in previous episodes as well about the fact that we think that we're good at multitasking. And some of us, and I'm not going to necessarily make this a gendered thing, but some of us women sometimes have a badge of honour. I can multitask and do so many things at once. That's one of my, my key skills as to how I cope. In actual fact, the research which looks at the way our brain patterns work when we're trying to multitask shows that we do not multitask. What we're actually doing is switching between those tasks very quickly and that that is not a very effective way to undertake any one of those tasks. And in fact, it it would have been quicker. I'm not sure the evidence is entirely there, but this is the way I've interpreted it. It would be quicker to do one thing at a time, switching between those things only once you finish them, than trying to multitask. So all of that background has informed my three steps. 
So this is what I do when I'm feeling overwhelmed. Number one, get out of my own head. I've got to get out of just me sitting at my desk, feeling overwhelmed about how much I've got to do, about the bees buzzing around my head and that I'm not going to have time to do it all. The way I normally do this is by going out into the garden. I love gardening, so I'll just get out into the garden. Um, Some people love walking. In fact, that would be my second go-to option, but it's doing something that really gets you out of your head and doing something else. Either something where you need your brain to be focused on the other thing that you're doing, so you have to stop thinking. Or sometimes, if there happens to be someone that you can talk to who's nearby, who leaves you feeling energised and positive and upbeat, you don't even have to talk about the things that are worrying you. Just spend some time with someone else who's just going to get you out of your own head, get you out of your own thinking. And the reason for me this is essential, firstly, it feels good, it feels nice. But the reason it's essential is because step number two is impossible without getting out of my own head first. Step number two is then ruthlessly prioritising the projects and tasks that I have in my head. And I use the word ruthless intentionally in this situation. I'm not being ruthless to me or to anyone else, but I'm being ruthless about the projects and the tasks. And one of the things that I do is, for me, I like, I'm quite a visual thinker. I like to actually write out a post-it note for every bee that's buzzing around my head, everything that I need to do. I have a couple of different coloured post-it notes, so I might use one for work and one for home stuff. I stick them all on big pieces of paper. I have been known to sellotape A4 sheets of paper into kind of four or five um, kind of long daisy chains of paper. Stick all those post-its on the paper, starting at the top with the most important, the most urgent, the most strategically important elements and working your way down to the bottom to the things that can wait a little bit. And what I then do is I put lines between them. Basically, basically I'm creating a flow chart with my paper and pen and creating lines because there are some things that have to happen first and other things that have to happen later. So sometimes there's a sequencing element. It might be different for you. A completely different technique might work, but that's what works for me. For the rest of the time, I use a project management system, which I love, and it organises all of my tasks electronically. If I'm feeling overwhelmed, it has to be post-its and paper. It's the only thing that settles me down to really be ruthless. So having prioritised those tasks, those projects, it's then clearer to me what I need to do next. Now, one of the things I don't tend to find this happens to me, but I know for other people that I've worked, there's something that can trip people up at this point, is that prioritising those tasks and projects perfectly becomes a source of procrastination. So one thing that I've learned is that it's having a prioritised list that's beneficial, even if the order of that prioritisation is completely wrong. I I may have misunderstood in my kind of fuzzy thinking, overwhelmed, slightly um, kind of panic-driven prioritisation. I may have misunderstood the genuine priorities. And what I've learned is that that doesn't actually matter as much as the fact that I have prioritised them. Because you have the ability to reprioritise at any point in the future. Not all the time procrastinating and reprioritising, but if you realise you've got it wrong later, just pick up the post-its and stick them in a different order. It doesn't really matter. What matters is that you have some clarity on what comes next. Now, for people who are working within big teams, sometimes this needs to be done with more than just you. So you need to be clear with other people that there are certain projects that 
by the end of the year, this project is really important. We need to have got it done. But right now, it's going on hold for the next fortnight because we've got enough else, other things that are also strategically important to do. And everyone agrees, right, that's going on hold for a fortnight. And then we're going to blitz it, kind of do a sprint on that, you know, towards the end of term, whatever it might be. So sometimes this is a joint conversation. Sometimes it's a solo thinking process. But that's step number two. So firstly, you've got to get out of your head. And then secondly, prioritise those projects and tasks. And then the third thing, do one thing at a time. And what I've learned is that this takes two things to to be in place for this to work. Firstly, I need discipline. I need the discipline to turn off the rest of the chatter in my head. All those other bees, I have to turn them off. I'm not going to be able to focus on one thing at a time if I allow my brain to continue to worry about all the things I've got to get done. So I have to have the discipline to turn that chatter off. And that comes with practice, basically. But it also comes with trusting the prioritisation that you've done, trusting that you will do your best work by doing one thing at a time, and having a belief in yourself and your capabilities to achieve really great things especially if you set yourself up to achieve really great things one thing at a time. So discipline is really important. The second prerequisite for making this work is the tactics that allow me to focus. Those tactics I've talked about on previous episodes, I'm going to link some of those episodes here from the episode notes, but it's things like having the confidence to turn my email off. So I'm not double checking my email over and over again. I'm trying to focus on something. Tactics like time blocking into my calendar, a good chunk of time to get something done and really making sure I'm not getting distracted by anything else. And if I think of something, that's fine. I can write it all down on another post-it and stick it to the side, but I will not get distracted during that time of focus. So there's the tactics and there's the discipline. And this comes with practice. No one's going to be able to tell you what's right for you. You've just got to try things out and figure out what's going to work. Partly due to you and the way your brain likes to work and partly due to the environment that you're working in. So as I said at the beginning, seems really simple, doesn't it? (laughs) Get out of your head, prioritise projects, do one thing at a time. Steps one, two, three. The reality is it's a lot harder than it sounds. Um, It comes with practice. My solution may not work for you, so don't beat yourself up if it's not working for you, that's fine. The question that comes back to me most when I talk to people about this one-to-one is people saying, well, my environment is much more complex than your environment. There's many more people, I'm in an open plan office, it's much more difficult for me to really focus on things. And I absolutely accept that. As a business owner, I have a lot more control potentially over my time than some people do, and, and you know, I acknowledge that absolutely. But actually... As a leader, you have to have some control over your time. And if you don't, we need to find ways that you can regain control over your time. Because as a leader, you need to deliver on the strategically important things that you and only you can work on. And you need to role model that process for the other people around you. So I know that it might seem simplistic, What I'm inviting you to do is to sit with this for this week. If you are feeling overwhelmed, give it a try. Give it a try. Adapt it, change it, evolve it, depending on what works for you or what you've discovered has worked in the past. And then also listen in next time. My next episode is going to distinguish between overwhelm and overload. 
And if this isn't working for you, despite practice, despite really giving it a try, it may well be that you're not overwhelmed. You are, in fact, overloaded. So that's it for this time. Do explore the links that I'm putting into the episode notes um, to that Michael Neal podcast, as well as some episodes of this podcast previously as well. And do reach out to me if you think I can help. Obviously, I work as an executive coach with senior leaders, heads and senior leaders within schools. I also work with fundraisers around fundraising coaching, both one-to-one and in groups. So if this is something that you think I can help with, and you want someone that you can talk to confidentially, then just reach out to me and let me know. All of my contact details are also in the episode notes. That's it for this time. Don't forget that if we're expecting ourselves to think strategically over the next week, we need to build in the space to breathe, the time to learn, and the courage to adapt. Have a strategic week. I'll talk to you again next time.